Welcome to the podcast. I am Shane Barker, your host of Shane Barker's Marketing Madness Podcast. Today, my guest, Ted Rubin, is going to talk about building relationships with customers during the COVID-19 crisis. Ted is a CMO of Photify, an app that helps businesses create and share branded content. He's also a leading social media strategist, author, and keynote speaker. He is evangelist of the term ROR, which means return on relationship, and has authored several books about it. These include Return on Relationship and How to Look People in the Eye Digitally. Listen as he talks about ways businesses can nurture audience relationships during the COVID-19 crisis. Well, cool. So people that don't know you, which I'm sure most people in podcasts do, because you've only been doing this for, I won't say how many years, but you've been doing it for a long time. You're a seasoned vet at this whole thing. Where did you grow up? Where did you, I mean, I know you said you're in Florida right now. Where did you grow up at? I grew up in South Shore, Long Island, in a town called Oceanside in Nassau County. Spent almost my entire life there. Went to college in New York State. Mm. And so basically in New York, I lived in New York City for 10 years after college. That's really where my roots come from. And I moved down here in December 2016. For the 10 years before that, I lived up in Long Island. Gotcha, gotcha. So you're Long Island born and bred? Well, born and bred pretty much. Yeah, Long Island, New York are born and bred. You know, I have lived in a few other places, but mostly New York and the East Coast, things like that. I've traveled a lot at this point, obviously, but um, yeah, I'm a New Yorker and I'm a classic New Yorker that ended up in Florida. Like, you know, I got a, a New York Jew came down here like regularly throughout growing up. <laughs> and then of course, college, going to college in the Northeast, where do you go spring break and all the different breaks you end up in Florida. And um, my college roommate ended up living down here. And um, I moved down here because he was going through a hard time. Yeah. And um, I wanted to help support him. And I ended up, I took over a place that he inherited. I bought it. I renovated it. He lived here with me for a little while. Unfortunately, he passed away about a year ago, 63 years old. And just so people listen and can get the message. And what's sad is that when people say to me, how did Bruce die? Uh, my answer is neglect. So a lot of us, if you take better care of yourself, if you're physically active, if you eat right, if you watch your weight, if you do things, it's amazing how much healthier you will be, almost guaranteed. And that's just a point I wanted to make as long as we just kind of went through that. No, and I think, you know, especially now, and especially now, I, mean, I think people realize, once again, it's, oh, I can still smoke, oh, I can still do this. And now you got COVID-19, that that's if you're, you have certain, more, certain morbidities, right? You have certain things, it's obesity, it's, you know, it's diabetes, it's your smoke, that kind of stuff. And now people are, it's like, now it's coming for those people, right? Which I think is, once again, you don't think about that until you're being threatened with death or something's happened. A lot of people don't. They're like, oh, I'm fine. I can smoke for a few years. I can drink, you know, every night, whatever. It's like scary. You know, my whole life, the mentors I've had, starting with my, my parents and moving through business people and friends, have always, one of, the, one of the overriding things we'd always talk about is making a negative, making a positive out of a negative. And, you know, one of the things I've been saying to people is now you're home, you've got extra time. Do some of those things that like, you know, I can't tell you people, I say, hey, got to exercise. They go, oh, I don't really have time. I try to fit it in. Well, now you have time. And by the way, it's easy to do that stuff at home. And, you know, well, I don't really have time to cook right or eat right. Well, now you do. Yeah. So, and you have an overriding reason to do it because it's clear that if your immune system is strong and you're healthier and you're not, don't have those bad habits, you are going to be, have a better chance of not contracting this virus. Or if you do, not turning into one of the statistics that none of us want to be a part of. Well, and I think I've talked about this on other podcasts. I've been on a lot of podcasts this week, just talking about, you know, how to turn, keep your business going and turn around and this kind of stuff during this times. But I think it's also talked about the like recalibration of the earth, the world, the universe, whatever you want to call it, of people now hopefully will start saying, oh, you know, I need to like 
be a better human, right? Not only for yourself, for like eating better and doing these kind of things. I just think it's, it's going to change, hopefully change some people's, the way they do things, right? And how they think about things. And I think, I try to look at the good in everything. Once again, this is hard because we're at the beginning of this and it's only going to get worse and there's going to be a lot of things that happen. But I'm just trying to think of the positive of like, you know, how this will make you reevaluate how we are. I mean, I talked about this too in past podcasts. I had more people reach out in the last week or two, say, hey, how are you doing? That I haven't right. talked to in years. Like just like random, just, you know, not people that want to do business with me, not people that I'm like, ah, I wonder why they, you know, they want me to do this or help them here. It's literally just, hey, brother, just checking on you. How you doing? You know, this is something, as you know, I've been talking about for years. Is I, I call it return on relationship. Yeah, for sure. You know, I talk about how important relationships are and how to nurture them when you're not looking for something, when you don't need something, just touching base with people. And this is a perfect opportunity to see the value of it. And it's happening naturally, just like you're pointing yeah. out. Where people are either, now look, it could be that they're bored or, and that's fine because boredom helps you realize how important engagement and connection is. Or it's because you really actually want to check on people. I mean, there's a lot of people and I want them to know I care. Yeah. I want them to know that. And by the way, it's as simple as touching base and saying, hey, how are you? What's going on? One of the things I've been doing, and, and I've always done this, but never at the, at the level I'm doing now is I go through all my old photos and when I find one of someone of me someone I, of me and a friend or me and a business associate or me from an event I send them that photo along with the thing saying hey I hope all is well you know I hope you're staying safe and it's kind of like a little fun reminder of the time we were together or something that we did but it's this is a great opportunity to think about how can I touch people mm. how can I build on those relationships don't be afraid to say what can I do to support you because a lot of people are afraid to say that oh what if they ask me to donate to something what if they ask me to help them what if they ask me to get on a call with them and talk about their business well now's a great time to do that yeah for sure. There's no doubt that people have more time for that. And by the way, this is not ending in a week. You know, it's funny. I was talking to, to my buddy the other day. And, you know, I travel a lot. And it used to be, and I've kind of cut down my travel this year to begin with, but obviously now I'm not traveling at all. And it used yeah. to be I would come home even when I didn't travel as much. And I'd only have X amount of days at home. Sometimes it could be one day, sometimes it could be 10 days, but whatever it was, the closer I got to the end, I'm like, oh shit, I didn't do this. I, I wanted to go running. I want to take my kayak out. And now I have to remind myself every day, dude, there's, there's no rush. You got time. You got time. Like, cause I would like not make certain calls because I knew I wanted to have some time to get out my bike. And now I'm like, people call me, like talk to me. I'm a, like, I'm, I'm happy to have those conversations. And I also think that the people you talk to are, are also less stressed. Like, you, yeah. you know how it is. Some people want to get a little bit of your time. They say, hey, Shane, I'm looking for some advice or, the, or that, that expression I hate. I want to pick your brain. Uh, don't ask me to pick my brain. <laughs> just say you want to talk to me. The image of you picking just, just kind of bothers okay. me. But it used to be you get those calls and they'd schedule it from 1230 to 1245, right? Like, come on now thoughts about what's happening. We can get to know each other a little bit. I just think it's a great opportunity to open up and start building those relationship muscles that a lot of us have let atrophied over time. And I think that's the crazy part about it is what I found myself is that I have so much time, not that I'm not busy, but I'm almost paralyzed because I don't have a thousand things planned like you. Like I was traveling, I was doing this, I was here, I was speaking here, I was in Istanbul. And now that's stopped and I'm like, God, this is awesome. I got so much time and I literally see myself and I don't, I, I don't even want to look at what my screen time is on my phone because I've, I've wasted, I've wasted probably, I don't even want to say how many hours, but like on stuff, I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like I have the time to do anything I want. Like literally I could go, now it's a little different because, you know, as long as I'm staying six feet away, but I, you can grab the kayak, you can go do this. I can go do a workout. In fact, I did a workout right before we jumped on here, which I was 
a little nervous about doing that because I was like sweating and I was like, had a stuffy nose. You probably thought I was going to die. And then I had the coronavirus, but I'm Irish and we just don't die easily. But, and I've got probably at least a few months, so I don't have the coronavirus to anybody's listening. But the, you know, the thing is, is like you have that time and it's like now actually allocating that time. And I've seen more people, I, I've said this before, I live across the street from a big park here in, in Sacramento. I've seen more people during quarantine that are out with their families, hanging out, working out, doing this, all most of them being six feet away and doing their, I mean, other than with family members. And it's just crazy. So I'm hoping that people, once again, you have that recalibration of we talk about the universe or the earth or whatever, of thinking like, hey, I have time now. Like I literally have an extra two or three or four hours or five hours or 10 hours. Maybe I'm not getting paid. Maybe there's other stressors involved there. But literally the biggest thing we're always worried about is time. We don't have enough time. You have maybe too much time, which is awesome. Because now you look at that list that you do January 1st and that we all stopped doing on January 3rd and look at that list and say, hey, like what can we now take on? So anyways, I just, I'm with you on that. I think it comes down to like, I love that when people, like you said, hey, I don't have time to work out. Like you don't have 15 minutes. You do. Trust me, you do. You just. And you especially do now. And I'll give, an, I'll give another tip to people. A lot of senior executives are taking calls now who didn't take calls before. They're sitting at home. They're not going into the office. They, like you, they have extra time. Yes, they might be working really hard trying to figure out how to keep their business going, but they're not traveling. They're not getting in their car every day. They're not commuting. Plus, if you approach them the right way, they're going to be willing to talk to you because people want ideas. They want interaction. Don't sell shit. Yeah. Don't start sending out the email saying how I'm going to teach you how to make money or I've got something for you or I've got something perfect for this environment or if, if anything, give something away, whether it's your time, your product. I mean, look, at Photify, we, we're a startup. You know, John Andrews and I, my business partner from Collective Bias, we're, we're minority partners here, but we're basically running the business and we're struggling. Don't think like we're not like everybody else. You know, fortunately, thank God right now we're okay for a few months, but, and we are at one point, side trying to figure out what can we how can we make what we're doing more appealing to people that it will number one come back faster when things are over but also how can we support the small business community i mean we're giving away our product for, for free and this is not a pitch we're giving away our product for free for six months this is not a one month free and then it hits your credit card we're trying to help the small business community we're going to a yeah. lot of our enterprise clients who are already our clients and we're saying we want to give you something for free we want to give you a little more, more interactivity. We want to, want to give you more tools. We want to give you more seats on our platform, whatever it is, so that your people can engage with each other. And very often we, we see in the back, well, what's the catch? There's no catch. What's the catch? We want you to think of us as a good community member. We want you to think of us as a good partner. We want you to think, have some return on relationship because by the way, we know that's going to come back to us in the future if and hopefully that we can survive and get to that future with our business intact. And look, I get people that are hurting. I get it. But when you're banging on people trying to sell them something they don't need right now, you're doing more damage to your reputation yeah. than that's going to be repairable and it's going to totally outweigh some small amount of income you're bringing now. Yeah, I'm with you. We've, we've been doing what I've done in regards to like kind of support the local type thing. We've been going to, because I've been in Sacramento my whole life and my family, generations here. And so I know a lot of business owners and I know a lot of like restaurant owners as an example. My background was in restaurants and this is like Shane 1.0, like on Shane 3.0 right now. It's, I mean, this is many moons ago. And it's kind of interesting. So we, my wife and I literally made a list of all the restaurants and we know the owners and we're going in probably too much. I'm probably going to gain my COVID-19 pounds here, probably here sooner than what I wanted. But 
the idea is we're going into those restaurants and supporting those restaurants and buying food from them, buying gift cards and doing what we can do. And I'm trying to put more of that on social media of like, hey, I'm not here to brag about me supporting local. I'm here to educate you. Like these businesses are having problems, right? This is going to be a time when everybody's cutting their staff down to a half. And then all those people that work there are going to be screwed too. Most of those people are living paycheck to paycheck. So what can you do to help them? It's like now is that time. If you haven't been affected financially, if you're retired or whatever you've got, like figure out, like give you an example. My mom, which I thought was awesome. My mom is like, she's like an old school hippie and you know that she's probably hearing this right now. Love you, mom. Um, but the thing is, she's like my only listener. I know that she's listening. So it's just you, me, and your hi, mom. mom. Maybe, How are yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, say hi for sure. No, the funny part is she's done is knowing that like the people that she works with or that you know she hires for you know house cleaning, whatever that is, she's paying half of them right now and they're not even coming. Knowing that, you know, like for future work, like, hey, I, I'm going to pay you half today and I'll keep doing this each month. And then maybe in two, three months when you can come around, then you owe me a free one or whatever that is, but just to help that. And I thought if everybody kind of thinks of it that way, because my mom's, she's retired. So her retirement is there. She makes the same amount of money. It's not affecting her the same way it's affecting other people. And so she's like, what can I do to kind of keep that stimulation going? And I've been buying gift cards and doing that. You know, I'm not buying thousands of dollars, but a buddy of mine's restaurants, a French, a really beautiful, like amazing restaurant here in Sacramento. I reach out to them on Facebook because I want people to see it, not so I get credit, but mainly so people will say, you know, like people will look at that and go, hey, I should do the same thing. Like kind of get people going on that. I bought a $200 gift card. I probably won't use that for months. But my point is, is like, what can we do to like kind of keep this going? Like it's everybody's going through shit right now. It's just hard times for everybody. Gift cards are a great solution. Personally, I don't want to take out because I don't want those people preparing my food. That's just for my sure personal thing. Like I, if I'm ordering something from somewhere else, it's not really a small business, but it's, it's a startup. I order um, vegan meals from a company called Vistro mm -hmm. and they come frozen and they are, but I feel comfortable. This is my personal hang up. Yeah. I feel comfortable because they're an industrial kitchen. They've made major, like, first of all, they had amazing procedures to begin with. And then they doubled up and tripled up on that for COVID. But, you know, buying gift certificates is a great way, is a great way to support them. Yeah. My, my cleaning lady called up to let me know. She sent me a text saying all the precautions she's taking. I'm like, listen, I'd rather you don't come, but I'm going to continue to pay you through this. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, if do you have Venmo, she's like, no. I go, would you mind getting it? Because then it's easy. Yeah. And, you know, now I send her her paid through Venmo and I'm perfectly happy to do that because like you said, that's not going to change my lifestyle, but I know it makes a huge difference to her For and sure. you know, other little things. And then what I love to see, I'd like to see local businesses or more importantly, local governments start recognizing that I believe they're going to have to start feeding people at some point. That this is not just going to be about government stimuluses or checks in the mail. We're going to have, we're going to have, to have food kitchens available to feed a lot of like the people you're talking about who live paycheck to paycheck who live day to day and we don't really have a view of you and I when we look out our door, but we know that's happening. And I just, I don't think that as a country, we're preparing for that right now. I think everyone's crossing their fingers that this is going to pass in a few weeks or in a month before any of that happens. But I, I'm just hoping that I'm not seeing this and behind the scenes, somebody is having the foresight to prepare for that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, this thing is, is coming so hot and fast. It's like, you know, trying to prepare for all that kind of stuff is just, you know, once again, yeah, I'm hoping, I'm hoping the same thing. So let's talk about, I want to talk a little bit about, obviously, I know this is, you know, we're not here to pitch the services, but you guys are doing six months free. That's super awesome. I think I'd like to talk a little bit about the company a little bit, just so we can kind of talk about what you guys got going on there. I know some really cool things there. I want to talk about that. And then obviously we talked a little bit about R&R, &R, right? I mean, I think that's important. And then I just want to ask you some other questions about your history. I mean, you've been doing, you've been a CMO of a, multiple companies. I just want to touch on that a little bit too, just your experience and stuff and kind of touch on that a little bit. Ask away. 
All right. So tell us about where you're currently at. So you've done, you've been a CMO for a number of companies, but Photofy, right, is the one that you're currently at. And you're, talk about that a little bit, what the company does and stuff. Cause I've been really intrigued about it. I obviously follow you on Instagram and everything. I haven't gone in and checked it out myself. And so I'm kind of, this is really for my sake as well. Give us a little information about it. I'm going to simplify this for you. It's a photo, a photo and video app that allows you to put overlays and branded content on top of your photography and share it and track it. So, you know, back when Photofy started, before John and I were involved, it was a, it was a customer, it was a consumer application. So we've got about 10 million downloads, 500,000 active users, mm. you know, but again, we all know in these days that doesn't make you a litter. You know, yeah. there's a million photo apps out there. Every platform from Facebook to Instagram allows you to do that kind of stuff now. And John and I kind of saw that in the beginning. And so before we joined, we put a little bit of influence there. But what happened since John came on as CEO, and just so you understand the way things happen in my life, John decides to do something and then he, I get a, a text saying, oh, by the way, you're CMO. You know, they, <laughs> just you know, a heads up. It, it, it's kind of the way it works. Now, it, it really worked out for me at, at Collective Bias. John founded that, dragged me in kicking and screaming. The company got acquired back in 2016 and it, it, it really set up the re- us for the rest of our lives in a nice way. And it allowed us to try to do other things. And we've always been on the content side of things. Collective Bias, we use bloggers to create storytelling content at scale for brands. It was a new thing. Brands were not really prepared to let people write about them without them controlling it. We built it up. We had a community of 4,000 bloggers. And again, we were fortunate that Inmar acquired it in 2016. Photify is kind of taking it to the next step. Instead of having outside people or your advocates create content, Photify, is, in our view, is about employees creating content. We call it employee-created content versus what you've all heard of employee-generated content. The way we view employee-generated content is when is a company creates a piece of content and then they ask their employees to share it, like a dynamic signal type of platform and an employee advocacy platform. Mm-hmm. What we're trying to do is convince companies that the only way to keep creating content at scale is to empower your employees to do it for you. And so what we've done is we've, we've steered the app to a direction where it's meant for, for an enterprise solution. So our biggest customer right now is Remax, a perfect customer for this because they've got a million, they've got, what, 200,000 brokers around the world. Yeah. Every day these days, they've got to create content. They've got to be taking photos. But what can they do as far as how long does it take them to take that content, add their logo to it, put their name on it, put their card there, use some of the taglines and one-liners um, Remax is creating, doing it with the right colors and the right things to keep the brand intact. Well, now a lot of these brokers, and I think we have about 10,000 of them on the platform so far, and little by little, they're ramping that up. They get to not only create content using all the branded overlays and taglines created by their company and put Mm -hmm. in there for them, but also their content gets to get shared by other people. It gets to become a part of the brand's host of, of content. And the brain gets to track it so they know what's working, what's not working, what do people like, do they want to see the insides of houses, outside of houses, and I'm simplifying it because I'm not working directly day-to-day with Remax. But what we found is what we're focused on mostly now is direct selling companies. So as you know, direct selling companies have people that work basically as what they call consultants, distributors, they've got all different names for them. But in that world, brands have pushed their people to get on social media. That's how they sell, to create it. Whereas most traditional brands are still a little bit worried about their employees being on social media. So our goal and our real vision for the future is that every franchise, every retailer, every business out there that has employees out in the field 
will start empowering them to create content. I mean, imagine a Papa John's who's out there right now. They're, they're on the front lines. They're delivering pizza. They can do it in a safe way. It's already built into their business delivery and not worrying about people having to come and pick it up. Imagine if every one of the people on their team was taking one picture a day of one delivery or one pizza or one thing and publishing it and then sharing it out to their social media. Imagine the reach they would create by that, or imagine the SEO they create by that for their brand. Imagine the local SEO they're creating, which is mostly driven these days by local posts, by photographs, by other things being put out there. Now, that space has not come around yet. Now, we experienced this a collective bias too. We, we had to get over that hump. We had to convince some major brands that it was okay to let bloggers create content to, for them without them actually writing it for them and just asking them to publish it. That's where we're at right now. But what we found is a low-hanging fruit is the companies like Remax, National Association of Realtors, and a lot of other direct sellers have started using our product and they've been able to exponentially increase their content production. So it's real simple. It's just take a photo, throw something on it, whether it's a, I love my kids, it's a logo of a company. It's, I mean, we have thousands and thousands of overlays. And then any major brand we work with, we take any content they're looking to load and load it into the white label Photify that's created for their people. It's really very simple. It's just about scaling content creation. Yeah, I love that. But it, it's funny when you when you talk about like the content creation and being able to magnification of that. And I think it's, I was thinking about this, this was just the other day, I was driving my wife to work. So I, I take her to work every day just so I can spend some time with her during those times. But it's interesting to me when I look at like social media and the people that actually have a present have been putting out content consistently for whatever, months, years, whatever that is. And now they're giving their messages of, hey, we're doing takeout, we're doing this. And now that's like their main driver of, of people coming in, like educating people on what's currently going on. Right. When before, and now I feel bad, like I see these other restaurants and stuff that don't have any social media, have nothing like they have these signs out front, like, Hey, you know, we're open still, or we're doing this or we're doing that, but I don't have any social media presence. And I think about like if using something like this and once again, they had this amplified message, we're able to pull people in. And now during times of when you people are debating whether they're open or not open, like this would be an awesome time to still like to have that audience. And so sometimes it's just hard to do. It's an awesome time to have an audience. It's an awesome time to be able to create your own advertising because budgets are being cut right and left. I mean, who can afford, especially small, medium-sized businesses, who can afford to still be advertising? I mean, it amazes me that some of these ads are still running on TV and, or the things that I'm getting in the mail and I understand they want to stay in business, but am I really buying pants right now? I mean, yeah. I'm not even wearing pants right now, but you know. I didn't want to bring that up. This I can totally see that. I didn't want to make it awkward, but I was like, but you might need pants. That's what I thought. I thought maybe they should send it to you, but I'm not judging you. I think it's awesome you're doing a pantsless podcast. I love that. No, I'm with you. It is. I mean, is it the right time to sell, right? And we were, I was joking around about this. I literally saw a Corona commercial the other night, a few nights ago, the beer, which is not, that's not the reason coronavirus is around. But I just thought, ooh, I just don't know if that's a good budget decision. A couple of things my business partner and I have been talking about is that there's nothing wrong with offering something. It's the hard sell. It's the dealerships that are now yeah. putting up all these great deals. Come in and get a car now. Why would I come in? And, first of all, who's really driving a great deal right now or should be? Why are you trying to offer me these deals? First of all, if anybody has any brains, they know in six months that deal is going to be two times as good. Yeah. And look, should your service department be open? Of course, because there are people that do need their vehicles that are going to need them fixed. Be a good community member. Come out and say, what can we do to help you? We're doing everything we can to stay open. If you do need a car, we're here to service you and we're going to do it in a safe way. We can deliver. We'll sanitize the car. But these companies that are out there just pushing on their products and trying to get me to spend money on something that I probably shouldn't be spending it on right now. 
Because yeah. like we've said, you know, their target audience for the most part is not you and me. It's people that are going to need that money probably in a few months. Yeah. And that's where it's bothering me. Be a good community member. Or again, you need to stay in business. You're a restaurant. You want to sell people. Talk about, let them know what you're doing to help the community. Let them know yeah. what you're doing to make sure that they're safe when they get their deliveries. And then another thing I think that's big that we've been talking about is that I think the world's going to change after this. A lot of people, sure. a lot of companies that resisted distance learning, distance work, people working from home because they thought they wouldn't be effective or they wouldn't have control. They're finding out that sometimes, and in very many cases, people are more effective when they're working at home. They're getting more done. They're more creative. They're not as distracted. They're saving the commuting time. And like I tell you, at Fortify, we've already decided we don't need an office anymore. Yeah. I mean, you know, we had an office because, again, we felt like, okay, it's, we didn't always require people, but it's a way to get together and it, it, it builds the team. But guess what? We can do that at Starbucks twice a week. Yeah, for sure. Again, when things get back to normal. I'm not talking about right now. But yeah. our, we've already been talking about why do we need that extra overhead of the office? Yeah, that is one of the things. And I'll tell you this, you know, the last, we, we were, I was talking about this with, um, with a few other podcast guests, it's like in the last week, because you know, this is a thing, you're in the same boat as me. I mean, you do a lot more speaking events than I do, but like, you know, we go out, we speak, we do this, you got money coming in, everything's great. And then all of a sudden there's like, well, hey, maybe I should look at some of my expenses. Things slow down, right? And I was like, yeah. let me just take a look at things. And I'm like, I'm getting banged here for 50 bucks and 60 bucks and 20 bucks and 80 bucks and 30 bucks. And, and next year, about two grand later, I'm not kidding you. I'm looking at this thing going, I don't need that. I don't need that. Why do I, I've been paying for this for seven months. What's going on here? Because I was, once again, I got money coming in, not a, not a big deal. And now I'm looking at this thing going, man, maybe this is terrible that I've been paying for these things. I mean, how much money have I wasted? And how can I make this a leaner machine? Not because I necessarily, it is because I want to, but it's because I, I need to, right? And I'm looking at this going, okay, like this is, you know, this is only the beginning of this thing before people are going to start cutting some marketing budgets and doing this and doing that. And now I'm looking at this thing of like, how do we make it a leaner machine, right? And I think most companies are going to have to do that. You got to figure out what you need to do. I think that's true for businesses. I think it's true for people in general. Look, I'm very lucky. I was brought up with a dad who was a depression era kid, you know, and, uh, and we went through some of our tough times when my dad lost a job or had to change something. And he just, he taught me how to save. He taught me how to not spend. And I don't know if you're familiar with this. A lot of people who know me are. I had to fight to keep my daughters in my life back in 2007 to 2010. It cost me seven figures. I was spending double to triple a month what I was bringing in after already blowing through everything I had. And I reverted back to what I was taught by my dad, which I've used. I got to tell you, I'm 62 years old. I've got to reinvent myself, rebuild probably four, three, four, five times in my life. And each time those skills came into play. And what I think is a lot of people now out of necessity should, will start learning what you, like you said, what you need and you don't need. What are you paying every month that you don't need to be paying? Or like I have friends that were going, that have gone through some bad times to the point where they're borrowing money from me. And then they'll call me up twice a week and go, Hey dude, meet me at the diner. I'm like, um, it's 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, I'm hungry. I'm like, you got no money. You know, like, dude, I just like, they have your money. They have money now. $1,000. Well, I'm just, I'm just going to get an omelet. I go, didn't you eat dinner already? Like, yeah, but you go for that omelet. And by the time you're done and you get whatever comes with it and you give the tip, you just spend 18, 15, 20 bucks. And you're doing that three nights a week. I said, have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Mm, I love peanut butter and jelly. Oh, which I happen to like better anyway, right? But I mean, and it goes well. This, this same guy would call me up. I knew him. We were train riding buddies back on the Long Island Railroad in mm -hmm. Long Island. And he'd call me and go, hey, I'm driving in today. 
you want to come with me? I'm driving in tomorrow. You want to come with me instead of the train? I'm like, why are you driving in? Because well, I got a, I, I got a meeting late. I don't like take train home late at night. I go, but it's gonna cost you like a hundred bucks to drive in. Don't you have a monthly ticket? Again, this yeah. isn't like daily life. This is a guy who's struggling, whose yeah. business is falling apart, who's looking for a job, who's looking to make more money. But I can tell you that I could have gone through just very basic things and say and saved him more than he borrowed from me monthly. And I had only lent it to him once. I can't imagine where else it was going. But I think this is like you just pointed out. It's a good opportunity for people to figure out what's necessary and what's not. It's the recalibration. Once again, I go back to that, maybe with your business, your personal life, world, like I really think it's a time then things are going to be, and it's difficult. I'll, I'll be honest, it's difficult for me right now. Like I've got this time, I've got this and I've got that. And and I really have to every day go, okay, like, what am I going to do today other than my business and work and stuff like that? Because obviously I can work 20 hours a day and, you know, kill myself again. I don't want to do that either, right? So it's like trying to figure that out. But now you have that time and it's like, how are you spending that time, right? And, and it should be a nice mix of, hey, work, giving back, helping the community, like, you know, figure out what you can do for other people. Because other people, give you an example, my mom yesterday was walking and she sent me this video and there was these she lives in the, anyway, here in Old Sac- in Sacramento, in East Sacramento, but she sent me this video. There was these people that they, what they do is they have a, it's like a, um, a Beatles cover band. There's some older gentlemen in the sixties or something like that. And that, they usually play, they usually do a rehearsal or whatever. And they decided to come out on the lawn and play. And everybody was six feet away. They had chairs six feet away. And my mom was walking her dog and it was just random. Here they were. And they're playing music. And my mom sends me this video. She goes, it was the best thing I've seen all week. And just random stuff like that. That's like cool things of like, you know, like we're, we're all in this together, right? This is, this is a hard situation for everybody. And it's going to be harder for some people. Exactly. Exactly. People say what your hat says. Cause we'll, I mean, that be, say. Be good good. To people. yeah, which is like the, and that really shouldn't be just during Corona time, right? This is the idea is, is like, how are we born and being more humanistic? Like how can we help each other through this? Because I don't care if you're in China and Italy and the U S or wherever, like how do we, we're fighting a common enemy, right? And how do we like together be able to get through this? And I think that's important for people to understand is like, like, listen, you're going through some shit, and, but there's other people that are like 10 times worse, and how can we try to like, co- like go through this together and, and help each other out? Like, I don't know. I just think it's, I, I think it's a recalibration. I can't get over that term of like us reevaluating everything, whether it's your business, whether it's like how to make better decisions, how to have more working capital, how to hold on to that, how to like be able to like be empathetic and be able to help people, how to be more humanistic. I just think there's a lot of things that you're going to naturally be forced into thinking about it because before it was kind of like, I just go, go, go. And you know, and now it's like you have some time and you got to recalibrate how you think about things. I think it's be interesting. Another good thing, start putting some money aside, learn how to save. We've become a country that nobody saves. I got to tell you, I got a lot of buddies who are very successful, make a lot of money. And they're, they're telling me they got like a month or two left. I'm like, how could you only have a month or two left? That's, you, you, you make a fortune. Yeah, that's going to be the other thing. Live beyond their means. They expect the last five years of their work to fund their retirement. And, and they, they don't even think about what am I going to need for tomorrow because their expectation is they're always going to be earning. But you know what? Again, some people have charmed lives and until something like this happens, everything's good. But for most people, that's not the way it is. And, you know, like I said, I've made a lot of money in my life. I've lost a lot of money in my life. I've had ups and downs. But one of the things that I was fortunate enough to be taught by my dad early and I've learned along the way is prepare for a rainy day. Yeah. Or now the coronavirus because a rainy day is your shorter time period. Now we have a coronavirus. Who knows, right? You know, and look, let's look at the bright side. Maybe it'll solve the problem of close talkers. Like, we don't have to worry about those people who used to mm, walk up to our Those people. Park. Maybe they'll get trained to, like, uh, keep your distance a little bit. Yeah, those are, those are those are probably the people that are spreading everything. I um, 
Yeah, yeah, that's that is that is the worst. It's like, all right, and especially I can imagine being in New York, you're like, hey, now we need a little space here. Like, I, I do, <laughs> I do want to talk to you. We, we can have the same conversation whether we're almost touching lips or not. Like, I, I, have, I, you I, I those, have you ever been one of those conversations where you just keep backing up? Like, yeah, <laughs> well, now he's coming closer. <laughs> that's like the grocery store now. Like, I'm, I'm like doing the, you know, the grocery store is right. an awesome thing now because it's this weird little like Tetris game. It's like, okay, you're going this way, you're going this way. You have a mask, so I know I can probably get within six feet, but I don't want to get within this. You know, see, so it's like this weird like doing i mean i've got i've never gotten so much exercise that's just what it was like today that's what i I kept stopping and starting and moving and and then i'm looking at someone i'm like you want to go or should i go it's it's an absolute cluster because it is it's like i mean you see people kind of waiting like i want to get within that six feet of this person but the cucumbers are right there and it's like well i've got to get to the lemons and then you're kind of like i don't really know yeah it, it is an absolute i mean I don't know. I mean, we just, you know, you just never would have thought like it, it, it came down to this whole thing. It's just a, such a crazy world. Well, That's anything crazy. else I can help you with before we get off of here? I mean, no, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, no, we've got, we're almost at the end of this thing. I do want to ask you guys, and this, I ask all my guests this because I, I think it's important. I, I'm always intrigued by what people pick, but if you could have dinner with any, any, anybody dead or alive, who would be the three people you'd have at your table? Who would be in your little mix? Wow. I know. I've had people that have said, I've always been intrigued. My last guest, do you know who David Merman, Scott? Yeah, sure. So anyway, he was like, yeah, he's like Miley Cyrus. I was like, that was, you picked my, he goes, yo, I love Miley. It was because she played with the black plenty lips. Anyway, so I just was, I love this because you just never know. I was like, Miley, like, really? And he goes, oh yeah, huge fan. I was like, well, who knew? I mean, I, knew, I wouldn't know. And I'm not here to judge. I think it's awesome. Well, I would absolutely like to have a meal with Barack Obama. I mean, there's absolutely no doubt about that. To me, that would be probably just about, I mean, definitely number one. I mean, above anybody. David picked him with Miley Cyrus. So Barack's been on the last two podcasts. So he's two for two right now. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. Keep coming. Not Miley Cyrus. So uh, that's it. Miley's down to, sorry, Miley. I mean, just saying, I, I, you know, I remember watching her, watching one of my daughters used to watch her TV show, whatever the hell that was called. Yeah. So not Miley Cyrus. Who are the other ones I would love to, uh, I would love to meet JFK. Mm, for sure. That's another one. I guess I've gone with presidents for two. So uh, the person I'd like to have another 10 minutes would be my, my mother's father and my grandfather. Mm. I had a very unique situation growing up. My father's father died at the age of 47 before I was born. My mother's mother died at the age of 54 shortly after I was born. I never knew either of them. And then my father's mother married my mother's father. Okay, there we go. So we had a very, we had a very close family. There were no in-law issues. Uh, the best, from what I understand, the best, best of both sides survived. Um, um, I don't really know that much about my grandfather. My father had a lot of issues with him. He was a gambler, had some issues with the family. My grandmother was what they called back in the day, the one who passed away, a difficult woman. Mm. I think today they call that a bitch, but you know, just- yeah, yeah there's, And the ones that survived were incredible and they were soulmates. And, you know, actually it might even be the two of them. They were just amazing people. They both escaped Poland Mm -hmm. just before World War II. They spent most of their time here raising money to rescue Jews out of Poland. Mm -hmm. They talked a lot about their childhood, but I would love to, my grandfather was probably, and I should have mentioned it earlier, besides my father, one of the ones that always like said to me, always put something aside, always be careful. Nothing's ever going to go straight up. You're going to have things, watch out for that. And I would love to be able to talk to him now about, 
where I'm at and what I've done and what I've seen since he passed away, which was, he died at the age of 92 in 1992. He was born in, in, in 1900. Wow. So, so he's been gone for a long time and I would love to have a little bit more time with him. Imagine the stories. Although I got to tell you, if it was not unlimited time, I'd be very stressed about what I want. Like I could just imagine an ending and me going, no, 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 two more minutes. We're almost there. We're almost there. Who do I talk to? Who do I talk to? I remember years and years ago, my grandfather was was really a peaceful man, and he was, he was religious, Orthodox Jew, and and not overly Orthodox. But he, I really respected him, and I respected like his feeling about how to treat other people. And one time, some kid, first time in my life that it happened, he called me a dirty Jew. Oof. I didn't know what to do, and and I came home and I asked my grandfather like, "What would you have done? Like, what should I have done?" And he looks at me. It's my grandfather who never raised his hand. I never like not a a bone in his body that was aggressive in that way. He said, "I would have kicked him in the shins," and to me that was like that, that was like lay him on the ground Whoa. and pound him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. To me that was just that would that was where I hit that spark in my grandfather where he it, it went beyond anything of reason with them talk to them like he didn't even stop to say why did it happen when he heard that that was his response and it was something that just stayed with me forever i love that i love it that that, that you know these days it would be like go beat him up and he's like kick him in the shins you're like whoa grandpa settle down there a little bit kick him <laughs> in the shins that's crazy like maybe exactly. you should whoa put the bottle down like that's insane that you want to kick somebody in their shins like what happens if they don't have socks on like you can't take that back once you've kicked somebody in their shins, for God's sakes. Exactly. That's awesome. That's awesome. That shows, I mean, I remember there was my wife's family. She would always talk about, I think her mom one time said, uh, damn it. She said, damn it, or something like that. And Lynn was like, oh my God, like I never, that was like the worst thing she'd ever heard. Of course, in my family, it was a little different. But yeah, it was kind of <laughs> one of those things, you know, you're like, ah, it's, it's, you know, kick him in the shins. Grandpa, geez, do you kiss grandma with that mouth? Like insane, <laughs> kick him in the shins. Well, cool, Ted, if anybody wants to get in contact with you or anything fun, tell us more, obviously, about the app and tell us where we can get more information about that. And then if anybody wants to get in contact with you. I'm really easy to find. I'm Ted Rubin on just about every platform, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, even on, uh, I mean, whatever, anything, you name it, LinkedIn, Google Ted Rubin. The first 14 pages are links to things that I'm doing to make it even easier. My phone number is 516 270 5511. I actually answer my phone. And if I don't, my phone does take voicemails. My voicemail box is not full because I actually check them, return those calls, wipe them clean so people can leave me messages. And my email is tedrubin at gmail.com. Feel free to be in touch anytime. You were the first person that's ever given out their real phone number. That's, I don't even know how to handle that. I'm, I'm going to, now I've got your phone number. I'm going to call you as much as I can. This is, especially because I know that you let people borrow money too. So I was like, this is super awesome that we had this podcast. Yeah. I'm like, I think that I could probably get at least one payment out of him. But then after that, he's going to question how I handle my billing. But I know that I have at least one session with you. So that's good to know. So you guys don't really necessarily reach out to me if you need a loan, but I would maybe talk about the, the Photofy thing and how you guys can, you know, once again, take advantage of that. If it makes sense for your company, you guys go check it, take a look at that. And if you guys like listening to the podcast and you like what you guys hear today, make sure you guys go and subscribe to it as well. I also want to let you guys know, as I, I've said this at nauseum, I have a course that's coming out, my how to be an influencer.com course. Take a look at that. If it makes sense, if it resonates for you, if you're looking to make some side money, really at the end of the day, it's not how to be an influencer, you know, and how to get like free food and 
and all this other stuff. Really what it comes down to is about how to build your business and how to build it the right way and better understand how to work with brands and, and other things and take a look at competition and what they're doing. So anyways, Ted, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Stay safe, my friend. Make sure you wash those hands and we'll be talking to her soon. My pleasure. And please thank your wife for all that she's doing in the hospital. Appreciate Trust me. I will. I haven't kissed her in two weeks, but you know, safety first. <laughs> 